right, away, away, away there, brothers. Hello, hello to our dear listeners. Welcome back to another episode of the Forest Brothers Podcast. Once again, the best podcast in the whole wide world. You know the vibes, you know how it is. We get it done. Anyways, today is a very, very special episode. But, you know, before I get all there, let me introduce... Let, let me let me say hi to my two brothers in Kosi and Samson, and then we will introduce our very special guest today, Mr. Donovan Tyson, our real estate tycoon on the podcast today. So, um, Kosi, Samson, say hello to the, to the to the listeners out there, and then we will uh, give our wonderful guest a big big welcome. So, um, over to you, Kosi, and then Samson, and then we will shift over to our main man, Don here. Uh, thank you for the platform, Mr. Mutsa. I'd like to greet you, Mr. Mutsa, Mr. Masanga as well, uh, on this lovely day. Uh, I'd also like to welcome all our listeners out there from all over the world. Uh, thank you for tuning into the Forest Brothers podcast. I would also like to greet our special guest here, uh, Mr. Donovan. Uh, thank you for gracing us with your presence today. I think uh, this is a very interesting topic, uh, one that speaks uh, volumes to some of us, or in particular me. But yeah, I think let me contain my excitement here at the beginning. Hello, dear listener. Welcome back to the Forest Brothers podcast. You're here with your boy, Samson. I'm here with my two brothers, Mori Mangoro. Great to see you, boys. Great to be here with you again. And I'm also joined by the Don, Donovan Tyson. Real estate tycoon, as Mutsa has already said. You know this already, dear listeners. It's only illustrious guests over here. Only illustrious guests. And we are so glad to be able to welcome the Don to the show. Um, without further ado, Mutsa, please take it away. Let's get the show on the road. Indeed. Thank you, Mr. Penguini. And without further ado, listener, today we'll be talking about real estate and investments. So if you've ever wanted to know about mortgages, buying a house, whether you should rent or not, all the questions you've ever had, we have a man here who can answer all those questions. A black man as well. We're all about black excellence on this podcast. So get get ready, listener, because as Nkosi always says, we're here to educate. Okay, I forgot the other two E's. But you know the vibes, listener. <laughs> educate, entertain, and I can't remember the other E. But anyways, um, and enlighten. Educate, enlighten, and entertain. But um, yeah, probably the poor job of that in course I apologize. But anyways, without further ado, um, Mr. Donovan, please do introduce yourself and let the listeners know who you are. Hey, everyone. Um, first of all, I want to thank you guys, uh, Mutsa, Nkosi, Samson. Uh, just appreciate you guys inviting me to the to the show. Like you guys said, I'm, I'm Donovan Tyson. I am a real estate advisor and mortgage advisor. Uh, based in the Washington, D.C. area. And like I said before, I just really, really believe in educating folks and making sure that they understand uh, the importance, I think, of, of home ownership and investing in real estate and that, you know, real estate can be such a powerful tool. And it, it really just takes, you know, some curiosity to to get into the game and start understanding and asking questions and that's really that's really what I'm here for, and I want to help you know as many people as many of my peers and many people in our generation, and especially as many people who who look like uh, the four of us, right? Um, that's that's what it's all about, and that's that's why I'm in this game. So again, thank you guys for for having me on the show. Yeah, no, we we really appreciate you being here, man, and we're so excited. So actually, you know what? Whenever I really do this, but listener, let me just say, if you ever need 
to reach out to an estate agent and you want to like, if you hear after this chat, you're like, you know what? I need to get myself sorted. I need to get a home. I'm tired of paying rent or whatever it is. You know, you can find our man on Instagram. He goes by Don J Tyson. So just type Don J Tyson. And uh, I'm sure he'll also like tell us more at the end. But if you want to just like quickly search him up on Instagram as you're listening to the episode to see if this guy's serious or not, believe us, he is. You will find him on Instagram at Don J Tyson. So, um, with that, anyway, so let's let's actually get started here. So, uh, Don, as we affectionately like to call you, how did you get into real estate? Tell us your story. Like, how did you get into the business? How did you, where did you start? Was it an easy transition? Um, have you, actually, let's just start there. How did you get into real estate? And what's your story and like, what's your journey been like? That's a, um, that's a great question. Um, honestly, COVID. I think COVID was the big catalyst to my decision to even start looking into real estate um, as a career path. Prior to real estate, I was an accountant for seven years. And, um, you know, my, my dad is from the Caribbean. My mom is from New York, you know, very hardworking. My mom's a teacher. My dad is a general contractor, a carpenter. Um, so you know, they always preach to me, education, 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 um, you know, get a corporate job, get your 401k and, you know, you'll be straight. And I did that, right? Like when I was 16, I knew I wanted to be an accountant. Um, I think it was like 2007, 2008, great recession. I literally Googled highest paying jobs with most job security and it was an accountant. So that's what I decided I wanted to be. And yeah, you know, it, I had a great career as an accountant, I think, but I, I wasn't happy. Um, and I think when the pandemic hit, I was, you know, working 50, 60 hour weeks um, and realized that, you know, hey, like I can't do this for the rest of my life. I'm not happy. Um, I love numbers. I'm really good with numbers, but there's got to be another way that I can help people. Right. And so I started listening to a lot of um, podcasts about real estate and about investing. And I really took a liking to it. Um, and I just kind of had this idea one day, well, like, you know, maybe I should just get licensed and kind of figure it out. So I started taking classes, I think in May of 2020, still full-time accountant at my firm. I work for a big financial brokerage. Um, nobody knew. I didn't tell anybody that I was getting licensed. And I did all this virtual. I did my classes virtually, online every night, whatever. Get my license in September of 2020. And it took me six months to get my first client and close my first deal. But so what's that? March 2021. But between March of 2021 and September of 2021, I had helped about nine different families transact and I had made my my entire salary of what I was going to earn that year as an accountant and my wife was also kind of like hey like you know you're working a lot um I need you to pick one and so it was kind of like hey like I, I think I'm ready to do this I'm ready to to jump all the way in um so I, I did both for I guess, you know, about nine months and, um, you know, with the support of my wife, 
Um, I prayed a lot about it. I'd say like at this point in time, like I really leaned into my faith and I just took the leap. I, I called my my director one day and was like, hey, um, I need to let you know that my last day is going to be three weeks from now. And um, it's been history ever since. I, I've never looked back. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. Actually, I have, a, I have a quick follow-up question. So you talk about, I know a lot of people are scared to get into a new job right especially after you've been doing it for seven years you know it's easy to get comfortable and it's easy to like you know what job security you know it's covid as well people a lot of people lost their jobs during that time so to really think about making that next step like oh i actually i want to try getting something new and then to drop your first job completely like it's scary to do that kind of stuff but i kind of want to ask more about those first six months when you actually got your license and getting your first client what work were you doing in those six months? Like, what did it take for you to get your first client? And then what did it take for you to get your next nine after that? I think uh, that'd be very interesting to hear. Like, the I want to hear the blood, sweat, and tears, man. Don't leave anything out. Like, just, what, what did that take for you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it was, it was kind of scary, you know. I think what a lot of people don't realize about real estate is that you know, if you're not working, you're not getting paid, right? Like, um, real estate agents are 1099. We're independent contractors, right? So, you know, we are only compensated when a deal closes. So if I'm not working to, you know, help a client transact, then I don't have any income, right? Uh, so what, what did it take? You know, those first six months, honestly, I did open houses, at least two open houses every weekend. So like I had no social life, um, literally in open houses every weekend trying to, you know, learn about the market. Right. So I can have the confidence and the comfort to be able to speak to someone, you know, knowledgeably and guide them through through the market. Right. So I think in real estate, you know, the biggest thing is getting people to know, like, and trust you. And I think the faster that you can do that, or the more comfortable you are in that process, the the easier it is for you to, you know, connect with clients. So yeah, open houses for six months, social media was really big. Like I I used to be really drained by social media, like, oh my gosh, just like I'm natural I think I'm an introvert. Like I recharge when I'm not around people. Um, but with social media, you know, you're you're always on blast, right? And I was also navigating this space where I didn't want any of my coworkers to know I was doing this. So that was kind of tough too. But I think, you know, actually I, I got my first client through social media. It was kind of weird. And they weren't even really, re re they weren't even really looking for real estate. We started talking because I had uh, I had just gotten married, and the micro wedding planner that I used, this guy who's local in DC, he and his fiance just got engaged. They were thinking about using the same wedding planner, and he actually DM'd me about this wedding planner. Um, and I was like, you know, she's awesome. Like I would definitely recommend her. And we're you know we're just talking about that, right? Being engaged, all that kind of stuff. Literally two weeks later. He DM'd me and was like, hey, like my best friend is relocating to DC from Chicago. She needs a realtor. Can you help her? And, you know, I had never talked to this guy about real estate in my life, 
But I think that he knew that I was in the industry and he saw my content and he saw that, you know, the passion that I had, you know, in my open houses, in, you know, posting educational videos. And his first thought was, oh my gosh, my friend needs a realtor. I want to link her up with that guy, Don. And that was literally my, my first, that's how I got my first deal. And then I don't know the deals after that, it was all like my sphere. You know, I think people really saw how passionate I was about real estate and educating people. Um, and I didn't, you know, just get my license to, to make a quick buck. It was something that I was really, really dedicated and committed to. And it just started, you know, to snowball from there. Um, that's really the, the honest truth. Wow, Don, that's very impressive. And uh, just to my listeners out there, I think we can all tell by what the man has said so far that Don is truly one of the Lord's most hardworking warriors out there. I mean, nine months, two jobs, accounting and real estate. My goodness, what can this man do, dear listener? Oof. Anyways, Don, you said you know, um, in your opening statements, you know, you in those uh, uh, six months between March and uh, September, I believe, you helped you know a lot of like fa- nine families to be exact with their um, transactions. I just wanted to know, you know, like, cause the 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 three brothers here, you know, we we like like we're still renting, you know, uh, the brother Mutsa's under his parents' house right now, you know, he's he's far from you know any sort of ownership, so we really do need your guidance, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners do. Um, so tell us, you know, like, what are the important factors as a buyer to consider when? you are wanting to buy your first home or even just any home, maybe your second or third, you know, but like, and I'm sure it changes depending on which home it is. But yeah, what are the, some of those important factors to consider when you're wanting to buy a home? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a great question. I think I believe that the most important driver in the real estate transaction is your financial like preparedness and I, I would say the first thing that anyone who wants to, you know, purchase real estate needs to do is really just like a financial audit of themselves. Um, and this is probably the accountant in me, right? Like, you know, I, I think it's very important to have an understanding of your income, right? And, and your expenses and your liabilities, your debts, right? So, how your money is coming in and also how you're you're spending and allocating those funds. The biggest thing, you know, when it comes to home buying, it's it's what's what's your monthly payment going to be, right? Like what is the amount of money that I have to wire from my bank account to this mortgage service provider or this bank or this financial institution to keep this roof over my head, right? once you figure out that that that's the most important number nothing else matters like the you know oh i think i can hold up afford a, a five hundred thousand dollar house well how how did you get there right like what based on what and it, it's got to be based on that monthly number um and for for most people for most of my clients i tell them to think about what they're currently paying right as a baseline are you comfortable with that number or would you would you benefit from saving a little bit, right? Like with that current number that you're spending, 
are you living paycheck to paycheck, right? Or do you have, you know, a lot of savings, a lot of funds that you're putting towards savings? Can you afford to go up a little more? And if you're in a position where you aren't paying any rent, right? Like maybe you're staying with a friend or with a relative in order to save, right? I think um, the conversation then is really, okay, well, like what's your income? What are your expenses, right? And what can you realistically budget towards, you know, your monthly housing expense? Yeah, I mean, I, I purchased my first home in 2021 and... I'll be honest with you, my mortgage is $1,100 cheaper than what my rent was. Now, I'll tell you, the, the apartment that I had was very expensive, but it was in the most amazing neighborhood, super accessible. It only took me about 240 steps to walk from my apartment to my office at my, my accounting firm, right? So I was paying top dollar for it. Um, but you know, it was an 800 square foot apartment, um, great building. Uh, but our home now, you know, it's twice the size, you know, we're a little further out in the suburbs, but, um, the properties appreciated probably 24% in the two years that we've owned it. And we bought this place for the actual cash that we put out of pocket was about four months worth of rent. So it, it was it was really a no brainer for us. Number one, me being in real estate, right? Like I have to I have to have transacted, right? I can't I can't be selling a product that I've never, you know, taken a part in, right? Number two, I can't, you know, I can't give this apartment, you know, company or uh, this property management company, another $48,000, right? Like in, 12, in a 12 month period for what? Like I can buy three houses with $50,000. Are you kidding me? Like it, it just, you know, when you start looking at the numbers, not on a monthly basis, but like, what are you, what is your, what are you giving your landlord every 12 months, right? I think what did it for me I did the math on how much money I spent on rent since I graduated. It was over $150,000, right? That's a that's a 10%. That's over a 10% down payment on a million dollar home. <laughs> like that is, you know, when you think about the numbers like that, that's what that's what really motivated me. Um and again, like renting is not a bad thing. Like I'm I'm not there's there's a time and a place for it. I think, you know, it's just being, it's just about being intentional. I have a sister, my, so I'm, I'm 31. Uh, my sister is seven years younger than me. She'll be 25 this year, right? Um, she graduated college. She's a nurse, a pediatric nurse. Um, she makes really good money. When she graduated, she told me she wanted to move to DC. I said, no, I, I don't recommend you move to DC and get your own apartment. Um, I know you want to, but I think that you should really stay at home with mom and dad, save for two years. Like if you move up to DC, you're gonna be spending at least $2,000 a month. You know, if you can save that money, you know, that's $48,000. Like you can, you can do whatever you want to 
in two years if you just sacrifice, right? And that and that's what she that's what she did. This summer she's actually thinking about moving up here. She's like, I wanna buy, I wanna buy. And I'm like, like, chill, like you don't have to rush and, and buy something right now, right? Like it's okay to rent. Like I do think that when you move to a new city, like, you know, if you want to rent for a year and party it up and, you know, just have that experience, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I think every young adult needs that at some point, right? But it's all about being intentional, right? I'm like, look, you have you, you have your pot, you have your pot of gold that you've saved, right? You can allocate that towards your purchase 12 months from now, 18 months from now, right? But when you move up here, you get a little apartment, you know, live on your own, have fun, have your experience, travel, whatever, and but be intentional, right? Sign that 12-month lease and then, you know, figure out where in the city you want to buy or maybe you don't want to buy in the city. Maybe you want to buy in Arlington. Maybe you want to buy in Silver Spring, right? But you'll have lived here. You'll know what areas you like and you can make an, an informed decision that you're not going to regret in, you know, six months, right? Because Real estate is also, it's a big commitment too, right? Like, you know, I think a lot of people try and, you know, put down renting and say, oh, it's bad, this and that. But again, it's, it's all, it's all about intentionality and it's all about, I think it's all, it's all about doing things in moderation, right? If you're, if you're renting for 10 years, like you do that math, you're going to be sick to your stomach, but you know. If you, if you decide to rent for one or two years to, you know, enjoy life and experience a, a, a big city, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. Uh, interesting stuff there. And, you know, what's interesting when I think about it, I certainly do agree, like, renting is, it's good for a short period of time. Yeah, over, over a long period of time, you start to do the, as you mentioned, like, do the numbers and see that this is just, you just, you just set in cash on fire here, honestly. So just to go back to like just buying, like I think this is pretty much important for all our listeners there. And just wanted to get your take on like you mentioned your sisters looking at like buying a home. So like what cities like from what you've seen in the market, as well as like what's happening with the housing market currently, like what cities are like good for like great investments for like looking in terms of like if a single if a single person or a family home or those kind of things that literally gives you a great return on investment basically yeah yeah so i think it depends on two things right one are you going to be living in the property yourself or using this as an investment property i think if you're looking if you're looking to buy a home that you're going to be living in maybe I'm biased, but I think the the DC area is, it's almost untouchable. And I say that because the economy in this area, it's very robust. It's super diverse. You have the federal government, um, you have big tech and big finance that are headquartered here, right? You also have a lot of like major hospitality giants, um, Marriott, Hilton also have headquarters here in Bethesda and in McLean, Capital One's headquartered in McLean. You know, Amazon has a big presence here, Microsoft as well. And all the tech companies have really big um, policy arms here too, right? That on top of the federal government, you know, there's a lot of money here, a lot of people who are relocating to this area. 
Also, you know, and I think this goes for any city. If you can leave your house and see construction on infrastructure, like highways, you see cranes all over the place, that's money, like billions and billions of dollars. If the local governments are spending that kind of money in an area, that is an indicator that the real estate market, that it's not a 100% indicator, but that is, it's almost like um, if you see a Whole Foods in a neighborhood or a Trader Joe's in a neighborhood or an Orange Theory Fitness, you know, those are indicators that there are people with high net worth, with high income, high earning jobs who live in that area and that the real estate values in those areas are going to continue to rise. Um, and I think that is the majority of everything inside of the 495 Beltway that surrounds Washington, D.C. Texas, Florida, no income taxes in those states. Those are great states to own investment real estate properties. Tampa is a really hot market. I think anything between Miami and Orlando, really great place to invest. I'm also liking, I'm liking areas that are close to hospitals and major universities for investment properties because those are major employers and you always have a need for short and midterm housing for nurses, for travel nurses, for students, right? So you you almost have this guaranteed cash flow as an investor. So I would say those are those are those are some some tips um, you know for folks who are looking for primary residence or investment properties. Um, you know, states that don't have income taxes and any areas that are, you know, you gotta look at the economy really. Like if there is a diverse pool of workforce and a workforce that, you know, needs housing, you're, you're, you're golden, I think. So just a, just a quick question here. Thank you for all that. Yeah. And I just want to like kind of get into some of the nitty gritties here. So let's say I found a home that I want to purchase. I don't know how mortgages work. So please just explain some like, what, what, what are the processes that happen when I've seen a house like, okay, this house costs 300K some or whatever it is. And then how do I go about purchasing this house? What does, what's a mortgage? How much do you put up front? How do you deal with banks? Um, if, does it matter if I have a credit card or not a credit card? Like if I have a debit card and I'm not, you know, a part of the credit card world, like, you know, if I've come straight from Zimbabwe or from wherever and I don't have credit, can I purchase a home or do I need a credit card? How paramount is that? You know? So just, I just, I'm just curious to hear, like, because I think there's that fallacy, I believe it's a fallacy that you need a credit card to, to get a home, to get a car and all that stuff, which it's, it makes it easier. But I don't know if it's true that you really do need a credit card to do that. But that's a separate conversation. I just want to know more about, maybe you can answer that part in the second bit. But I think just first things first, what's, how does a mortgage work? How do you put down a down payment? And then how does, how does it go from there? for people who don't really know how that works. Yeah, yeah. So th th there are a couple of different ways to to get a mortgage. You can get one through your, your whatever financial institution you bank with probably offers mortgages. 
Um, so like, you know, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Chase, City, they all have mortgage programs, right? There's also mortgage lenders, like specific companies that only do mortgages. Um, and then you also have mortgage brokers who basically connect a buyer to a financial institution that will lend them money. Um, with all of these different mortgage, I'd say options, you have to apply, right? And when you apply, your credit is looked at. If you do have a credit card, you have established credit, right? If you do own a car, you have some sort of established credit. And in order to finance a house and take advantage of a program that allows you to put down 3% or 3.5% or 5%, you do have to have some sort of established credit. So I, I would say that like for most people, you do have to have a credit card in order to purchase. It's not like a one for one, but most people with established credit have some sort of line of credit, if that makes sense, you know? So, you know, what, you know, advice that I would give to someone who has immigrated from another country, right? Um, and wants to, to get into real estate. I think that it's really easy. It's much easier to buy real estate if you are a permanent resident, right? So if you have a green card or if you have citizenship, right? Um, you can, you can get a mortgage and you can get credit, right? That that's, that's really you know, gonna be the the game changer, right? Um, can you get a credit card without those things? Yes, but it's it's different. You got to jump through a lot of different hoops, right? So I would say, you know, established credit is really big. You can buy a house with you know less than stellar credit. You know, you could buy a house with the five eighty credit score, right? Um, but the higher your credit score is the better interest rate you're going to receive, which means the more favorable your monthly payment is going to be, right? Like someone who, so say you have two people, one person has a 740 credit score and the other person has a 580 credit score and they want to buy the same house, that person with the higher credit score, their payment is probably going to be four or $500 less than someone who has you know, a worse credit score, right? Um, then that's, that's, that's the same thing with everything, with credit cards, when you're buying a car, um, anything that you're financing, you know, if your credit score is not stellar, you're, it's going to cost you more to, to acquire whatever, whatever you're trying to finance. But yeah, you, so first up, pre-approval, you got to apply get your pre-approval letter because that's going to be a part of your offer that you make on a house, right? A seller wants to see that you can actually purchase this because um, once once they sign a contract with you, they take it off of the market and they can't accept any more offers. So they want to be sure that you're good for it, right? You have this pre-approval letter. The lender has checked your credit. They verified your assets and your ability to actually buy this, this home. 
I think one thing that a lot of people don't know is that a mortgage, it's an actual exchange of cash. That's I think I think a lot of people don't understand that until they come to the come to the closing table. So let's say you want to buy this house, it's five hundred thousand dollars. The seller of that house owes $250,000 on it, right? You as the buyer, you're going to put down 5% on this $500,000 house, right? So 5%, you're going to be at $25,000. That means that you're getting a loan for $475,000, right? So at the closing table, and there's, there's a bunch of other things to taxes, fees, all this stuff. We're going to keep it real simple. At the closing table, the seller is going to receive this $500,000, right? $475 from the lender, another $25 from you that you're putting down, right? They have to take that $500K and pay off their $250,000 remaining balance, right? So they're paying that off. And at that point in time, the deed can be switched over from that seller over to you in the bank that lent you that money. And the seller gets to walk away with that 250K profit, you know, less their taxes and fees and that sort of thing, right? So there is literally an actual exchange of cash that happens. I kind of went off onto a tangent. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, we, we we appreciate it. We want we want like like you know, of course, he said at the top or Musa try to say, you know, we're here to educate, you know, not just entertain and you know all that stuff. So, but I got, you know, that was the educational part, and uh, you know, this part is going to be a bit more serious, but it has to be because, you know, we're three brothers from the forest, and we are four black brothers. You know, and this is this is this part is very important. Before the show, we 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 you spoke about how less than six percent of real estate agents uh, in America are black, and how about one percent are black men. Yeah, I I just wanted to know as a black man in real estate, what has your journey been? Because um, I you know in recent times I've heard stories of like black sellers being. Uh, or finding it difficult to, to sell their home, or once the buyers find out they're black, or finding it difficult to, as black buyers, to buy, to, to buy homes from white sellers, you know, uh, or just straight up being turned away at, at the open house. As a black real estate agent in this market, how how has your experience been? You know, um, I want to hear about you know your interaction with other real estate agents, but also your interaction with other buyers and sellers in the space who do not look like you? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's that's a great question. Um, it's been interesting to say the least, you know, I think DC is, it's a diverse city, but in terms of real estate, not so much, right? I have definitely, I definitely feel like I've experienced, you know, some pushback in terms of, writing offers right and you know last the last two years there have definitely been like super competitive situations and i think that um you know there i can probably count on more than one hand when there have been times where 
Um, I felt that, you know, my offer wasn't selected um, because of, you know, who I am or what I look like or, you know, a preconceived notion about uh, my client's ability to perform, right? Which is, you know, it's, it's unfortunate. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure you guys have seen the articles about uh, Black families who have tried to sell their home. And, you know, when you're selling your home, there's something called an appraisal that has to happen where the bank sends out a third party to get an opinion on the value of a home. And for Black home sellers, appraisals oftentimes come back significantly lower um, than than white home sellers, right? And it, it could be the same exact house. Um, you know, they've done studies where, you know, Black family owns a house and their portraits are up around whatever, and the appraiser gives, you know, a valuation that's fifty, a hundred thousand dollars lower. In California, there was one per, one couple, I think it was four hundred or five hundred thousand dollars lower than, you know, when they appraised the house when it was depersonalized, right? Um, like when we when we sell our house, like I'm ta- I'm taking all my stuff down, all of it. Like I, I just like, you know, it and it 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 shouldn't have to be that way. Um, but unfortunately it is. And the the way that I look at it, you know, I don't look at it as a a crutch or a burden. I look at it as like, hey, like these are the cards that were dealt. We're educated, we know about it. So I'm going to advise my clients, especially my seller clients, to the best of my ability to help them get every single penny of valuation as possible. And if that means that we need to take down some pictures, so be it. My job is to get you the most dollar for your asset and to not let someone's opinion take money out of your pocket. So I, I, you know... I, yes, like that problem does exist, but as a people, we cannot allow that to scare us out of the market and keep us from completing transactions, right? Um, As a people, we have to take that information and use it to our advantage. And yeah, just just be be mindful and and knowledgeable and really aware of those situations. But yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, it's, it is, it's, it's astonishing how few black realtors there are. Um, and that was one of the reasons why I got into the industry, because I feel that, you know, if you're working with a professional who looks like you, right, who speaks like you, who's had similar life experiences as you, you will trust them, right? Um, you will trust them and have confidence in them and, be able to speak to them, you know, about your finances, right? Because it's a very, it's a very personal relationship that you build with your, with your realtor. And, you know, can you work with anyone, like, no matter, like, you know, where they're from or what color they are? Absolutely. But again, like, you, you build that trust faster, I think, with someone who you can relate to a little bit more. Jeez, you know, one, one thing that I will share with you guys I had a client, a buyer, who applied for a mortgage, got approved, but the lender, you know, they were just treating her really, really bad, like had a lot of oversights, miscalculated um, some pretty significant numbers, 
And the week before we were supposed to close, they basically told her, oops, like we made another mistake. You have to bring another $15,000 to the closing table. And this client was relocating from another city, did not have access to that type of cash in that short of a period of time and was essentially like going to be homeless. And I believe that the way that she was treated um, and the way that she was spoken to um, and the lack of care that was, you know, displayed to her was because she was black and because she was a woman. And I honestly believe that if she wasn't working with a realtor who understood that, recognized that, and, you know, wanted to go to war for her, that she would not have been able to close on that house and she would have lost her, you know, earnest money deposit. So, you know, when that happened, I basically got on the phone and escalated and escalated and escalated until I got on the phone with the person who could actually do something. And I essentially, you know, told them, hey, you guys have had oversight after oversight after oversight. Um, This is unacceptable and you need to make this right. We're not robots. I don't expect you to be perfect and to do everything perfectly. But what I do expect is for you to, one, respect this client, two, do what you need to do to make things right. Um, Because you've essentially put her through a traumatic experience and it's to no fault of her own. And I have every reason to believe that you have done this because of her name, because of what race she is, and because of her her gender. And if you guys do not come up with a solution to make this right, we're going to have a serious, serious class action issue. And two days later, they figured something out and she didn't have to come to the closing table with more than she was originally quoted. So, you know, it's, it's just knowing that you, you have to be firm, you have to talk to the right people and just not take no for an answer. I, ha- I have an aunt, my great aunt, she, she passed away September of 2021. And that was one thing that, that she, I think, taught our family is just like, you know, always ask for what you want and never take no for an answer. And I think that's one thing that, or those are two things that really, I think hold true in life, but especially in real estate and in um, an environment where we, you know, as black people are not, you know, overrepresented, we're underrepresented, right? Um, I think those are some things that you, you really have to stick to. Um, and that's, you know, that's why, that's why I'm, I'm in this industry, man, like to, to be there for those situations. That's not every situation, right? Like that's, you know, I've helped 30, 40 families. Like I can count on one hand how many times that's happened. Right. But that's still too many. Um, and I, you know, I just want to be there for people who, you know, who, who don't have that voice. I really think that's, you know, that's a part of, a part of my calling in, in this season. You know what? That's that's so important. And actually, like, we do need a lot more black real estate agents, as you as you just described. Like, and we see this in a lot of industries too, right? Where 
the lack of black professionals who can help other black people, it ends up having a negative effect on black people, right? Because no one's there to protect you. No one's there to like stand up for you. So the more people have an industry or the more people who look like you can help you, the better, right? Um, and just particularly, I mean, before we kind of close out, I know DC right now is going through like a gentrification problem. And so, <laughs> and and what you're saying right now, right? So if, you, if they're not a lot of, and DC used to be called Chocolate City. DC is predominantly black at the end of the day. And if we have predominantly white real estate agents in a predominantly black city, you know, I don't know how much that bodes well for black the black population in the city, right? It doesn't really... So I suppose we need more people, but I kind of want to hear what you think about um, gentrification and the price rise of houses in the DMV and how a lot of black families have to leave the city, essentially. Like, you now you see a lot of people move to Philadelphia, for example, or try and make it in New York or whatever, but a lot more people can't really afford the city anymore. And it's kind of changing the landscape as well as you, you know, you now see a lot of buildings in Arlington and whatever, and like people being pressed out of their homes and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I just, I, I don't know if you have any opinions on that. I know it's kind of like a hot topic in general, but I just wanted to like hear if what your opinions are on this gentrification in DC and its effect on black people. You've probably seen it firsthand, but I just want to hear your opinion on that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's um, it's a thing, right? Like, I think that there are, I think there's good and there's bad, right? And I think that the bad, it outweighs the good, honestly. And honestly, what we're talking about right now is what I believe is the the true housing crisis, right? That the housing crisis is that you know it's already incredibly difficult for to enter the housing market right like you know as a if you are a family right if you are trying to buy a single family home or a townhouse or any sort of property that has more than two bedrooms you are looking at spending at least five hundred thousand dollars inside of the beltway and that's for like a fixer upper so, you know, a two for in order for a two person household to be able to afford a $500,000 property, you know, you probably have to you your your household income is higher than the 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 average like period. And so that right there, that baseline of 500k for a fixer upper is only getting higher year after year after year, right? So the, the real crisis in housing is that in five years and 10 years and 15 years, that barrier to entry is going to be virtually inaccessible to a lot of people. It's, it's gonna be an, an income and a class thing really. Um, and that, you know, I, I, I feel like I deal with that every day, right? Like, there, DC does have some really amazing programs that help that can help people who earn moderate to low wages get actually buy property. There's some great programs. There's HPAP. There's DCHFA. Like these institutions, like provide funding for down payment assistance, um, for closing cost help. Um, and I've, I've actually, I've helped clients, you know, buy property through these programs and these programs, 
allow you to buy property um, and have a mortgage that's lower than your rent a lot of times, right? There are income caps for these programs though. And want, you know, unfortunately, like I've had situations where a property will come onto the market and, you know, if you're working with one of these programs, you have to disclose it in the contract. And sometimes sellers are like, nope, like I don't want to sell my property to you because you're using this program. And it's like, wow, like even though the city is setting up these programs to provide funding and access to real estate, you know, people are still being shut out of properties because they're using these programs. It's it's really bad. You know, what what keeps me humble every year, like I make it a priority to work with clients who are a part of the housing voucher program, right? And it is so incredibly eye-opening, like how much like strife these citizens of the city have to go through just to rent an apartment. Like I literally worked with this woman for like nine months just to get her into an apartment. And it was like, it wasn't that we weren't finding them. It was just that landlords weren't, they were not very keen at all on accepting, you know, the vouchers. Um, But at the end of the day, like it's another human being on the line, right? Who has a family, right? Like this woman, the single mom had a daughter, like I, I just had a kid and like, I just felt for her, man. Like, so, you know, I think one thing that could change in the industry, I think that every realtor should have to work with clients who are uh, trying to utilize these programs. And I think that it would really help alleviate a lot of the pressure and the stigma that comes with the programs. Because there are there are a lot of really like really solid, genuine people who were just, you know, unfortunately burnt born into circumstances that were out of their control. But yeah, I mean, gentrification, it's it's definitely here in the city. People are being forced out, moved out. The city does have programs, you know, to help. But I think that it it's it's going to take more than programs to help, you know, slow down gentrification or offset it. It's going to take, you know, agents and homeowners, investors who are not just so cutthroat about, nope, I'm not working with this person. Um, I honestly, I, I think that it's, it's more, it's more so the in- investors who are really, really, really driving the needle on these like barriers for these different programs, because to an investor, like they don't care about, you know, the human behind the application. All they care about is their bottom line and if their rent's going to be paid every month. So that that's also, you know, that's adding to that real crisis. You got, you got people who are making a shit ton of money from these big jobs that are here, right? You got investors who are also trying to buy everything up and turn them into rental properties. And you got the everyday person who's just trying to, you know, 
put a put a roof over their head for their family, right? So it's it's just super competitive, super cutthroat, um, which again, you know, makes it even more important to have more professionals that you know look like us in the industry, um, and makes it even more important, you know, for for black home ownership, right? So that we can you know get into the market and have our our foothold and you know build equity that can be passed on you know once we once we pass away and can be left to you know future generations yeah no you know thank you so much for for sharing that um we, we definitely would love to have you on longer but i know you have uh you have things to do we don't want to we don't want to hold you on for too long but um this was definitely a very interesting and necessary chat because um, we do have a lot of young people in DC. We have a lot of young people around the country and around the world who want to come into America and all that stuff. So I think this chat is really good to kind of give people an idea of how things work. So we really do appreciate you being here and laying the knowledge down. And um, uh, just as I said in the beginning, listener, if you do want to reach out to the Don, um, you can you can find him on um, Instagram at uh, Don J Tyson. And uh, actually, Don, are there any other ways that people can reach out to you if they have questions or if they want to like, if they think about getting a home and want to come to you? Because we definitely want to get traffic your way, you know, because well, honestly, we don't really know that many black real estate agents. So we know that you are for the people. You want people to be homeowners. You want people to have roofs over their heads. You want people to have the best life. It's our city at the end of the day, no matter what nobody says, you know what, like, and we should look out for each other. So um how can people contact you? How can people reach you besides Instagram? Yeah, I mean, I'm at Donjay Tyson on Instagram, on Twitter, TikTok. Pretty sure that's my LinkedIn and my Facebook too. So any any of those mediums, you know, um, I'm always, you know, open to talk and converse. You know, education is really the key. Um, there's no one who I, I won't talk to, right? Whether you're ready to buy right now, if you're trying to get ready to buy, if you're curious to know if, if buying is right for you, I want to have that, that conversation. Right. And even, you know, even if it's not about real estate, right. Like, you know, when people, people ask me like what I do, um, I like jokingly kind of tell them like, listen, like I'm an ambassador of the American dream. Like that's it. And what that means to me is, being able to start with nothing and build something great, whether that's in real estate, whether that's in business, whatever, it, it doesn't matter, right? If you're an entrepreneur, if you're you know, trying to build a big social media presence, what, whatever it is, right? Like I love to talk and just engage people and, and support and connect people, right? Like that is, I think as a people, like, the more that we can do that for each other, the the better life experience that we will have while we are here, and the better life that we'll be able to create for you know our our future generations. Right. So um, that's that's why I tell people, listen, I'm an ambassador of the American dream. Uh, my dad came to the states when he was 16 years old, and you know he he bought his first house. I think. I don't know, six or seven years. Like, I think he was like 25 or 26 when he bought his first house, right? So you're just like, you know, driven, like mindset, like, you know. Um, so it's, you know, it's possible. It's out here. 
Um, I did, I wanted to ask you guys a, a few questions. Let me see, I guess like around the room, can you guys talk about one problem that you want to solve this year in 2023? And it could be, it doesn't have to be like, it could be anything, right? If it's personal, like if it's business related, work related, whatever, like, you know, just one problem that you want to solve in 2023? I would say that is a wonderful question there. Like that one has got the brothers thinking. And for me personally, I would say just speaking up on like, it's a couple of things, basically. It's just essentially just get awareness out there around certain topics. Like when I think about, for example, there's a lot of like misconceptions out there about many different things that exist in the world and media paints a particular propaganda around some of the things that are out there. And for me, like when I look at like this podcast, I always mention that this podcast is not for us. This podcast is for the people to inform the people about different things that are happening in the world. And essentially, this is not necessarily a podcast where we share opinions only, but more or less an educational platform where experts in the field come and share what actually is happening from any particular space, from a music space, from a real estate space, a sports side. And as we go forward, actually start to get an informed opinion out there around some of these topics. That is the one problem. I want to change the narrative per se. So essentially create my own propaganda. But the propaganda it creates is sharing the truth, even if it's the hard truth, but it should be the truth that exists rather than all these things that we see in the world that essentially are just all over the place and some are not even factual. It's just opinion based. I think one thing I would like to solve is um, I want to get my schedule in order, but not just because, you know, uh, I feel like I haven't been productive enough, but because I feel I want to be more intentional about what I do. And I'm because remember at first when you started speaking, you mentioned being intentional about being about certain things. And you say you have to be intentional about like um, whether you're not own a, own a home or rented, uh, but, you know, whatever you want to do, just be intentional about it. And I feel very strongly about that because I feel like, again, kind of diving into what you said earlier about, you know, you know, being an accountant and not being necessarily happy and thinking, is this what I want to do for the rest of my life? I have known from day one, I don't want to be a software engineer for the rest of my life. Like I, I knew that going into it uh, because I mean, I like in high school, I looked at most jobs and I knew as I was, you know, picking a career path that, in college that I did not want to do most of them um, because at heart, I feel like I'm a creative, you know, I, I want to, you know, do something that gets my creative juices flowing and, you know, gets me excited that way just because, you know, for me, that's like, I want what I do to be fun, you know? Um, and there's only so much fun you can have um, as a software engineer. Uh, so this year I'm really trying to be intentional with my time. Um, I've already started putting the piece together on that. And part of the way I'm doing that is just like, cause I work from home. So I'm trying to like block out my time during the day. Um, I'm not sure if the listeners, I mean, if you're, if we upload this on YouTube, 
the listeners will be able to see, I have a whiteboard behind me. On that whiteboard, I block out, there's a section I block out where I plan every day and I work in 12 blocks and I block out certain times to, you know, intentionally be creative. So like I have a blog that says, hey, write something at this time. Hey, draw something at this time. Hey, look at this piece of software at this time, you know. Um, and that's the sort of thing I want to keep doing. Uh, just build more skills, try more things out, and be very intentional about the things I do in my life. So, yeah. Yeah, um, and for me, I think the big problem I want to solve this year, immigration is a big um, thing for me. I think since I had to leave the USA, you know, my student visa finished and all that, and I had to come to the UK and, you know, just immigration, because a lot of people do find themselves in situations that are not American, like, you don't you don't want to be in your home country like Zimbabwe. You know, economically, it's not the best place to be as a young person, as an any person to be honest. But like, you just want to like go to different places and find that stability. You know, so I definitely and um, we've we've talked about this in in different pods where you know people are not really aware of the immigration issues. For example, in the USA, in the UK, in Canada, or like where is it best to be if you want to have a stable life. In the USA, you can get there, but it might not be as stable unless like you get H1B and you're sponsored. Whereas it might be easier to go to Canada and that sponsorship is easier. In the UK, you know, it takes five years for you to be working somewhere and then you get sponsorship, you know? So just getting more information out there so that if you're leaving your home, you have all that information you know, in your hands so that you can make the best informed decision, especially for young people, especially for students, because it starts there. It starts when you're 18 and you're leaving your country and you're going somewhere. And I feel like in our experience, we haven't had as much information. Like, okay, do I go to the States? Do I go to Canada? Do I go to UK? The West has its own problems. And what I've been learning a lot more is you have to pick your poison with where you end up living at the end of the day. So um, I just want to make sure that people are as informed as possible about which poison you're going to take and um, where where it best aligns with your life goals. So, um, yeah, that's my that's my big thing, immigration and finding the best place for you. So, yeah, that was, that was a tough one. You made us sweat a little bit there. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, that, was, that was good. That was good. I, um, I might have somebody, not I might, I think I have somebody really good for you guys who could talk about... Um, immigration i have a buddy he's in san francisco he he works in in tech as well um but he's he's from the bahamas you know h1b visa situation so you know he's i i i know about it through him but i think he he's also like really he's like he was like the best man in my wedding he's such a cool guy like he crack you guys up he's hilarious um but no i i think i'll i'll connect you guys for sure but no, man, this this was awesome. I um I appreciate you guys. Um, love what you're doing with the show, and like you said, just educating, empowering, enlightening. It's you guys are are doing something that is really, really tremendous, and it's you know you're you're creating something that um is being documented that people can look at and watch over and over however many times that they want right and take you know something different from from each of us right so um you guys are doing something really great and um yeah man keep it up i I think you guys have have big big things in the future um much respect and much love and 
you know, hopefully we can we can all link up together in person and enjoy a couple rounds together. Yes, yes, that's all we love. <laughs> no, honestly, we really appreciate you being here. Um, you know what? You're always welcome back on the pod if there's something that is happening that you want to talk about. Please do connect us to your friend. We do need to have an immigration episode at some point as well. So by all means, these are all important topics. We also want to talk about black people in tech. So the fact that it's in tech and immigration, by all means, I know a lot of my friends, tech is where the money's at right now. So you know what? Like we're ready. Bring them our way. We love our brothers from the Bahamas. <laughs> but um, Don, thank you so much. And um, yeah, listener, you know where to find him. We'll also be like, kind of sharing his information when we post the episode so you don't have to stress about the episode you'll find it on our page and stuff but anyway um mr don thank you very much uh we appreciate you thank you for taking the time uh we've learned a lot there's more to learn and um yeah listener you'll be hearing from him at some point as well at at some other time so um it's not doesn't end right here so um with that thank you so much listener and uh we appreciate you and with that peace out catch you on the next one And uh, yeah, bye for now.